<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello there, radio podcast listeners. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, and the Bauer and Rose Podcast, available from justthenews.com and downloadable wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure and give us a five-star rating. Hit the subscribe button and forward us to all your friends. Well, today, of course, major, I mean, it's a big, big birthday day. Uh, in America and around the world. Uh, very, very deep and heartfelt best wishes to Hosni Mubarak, the former president of Egypt. Uh, it's Audrey Hepburn's birthday. It's Bill Bennett's birthday. And, of course, Israel's uh, first female prime minister, the lioness, Golda Meir, her 125th birthday today. And, of course, we cannot forget England's very own Christopher Biggins. Did I did I forget anybody? That is quite that is quite a lineup of people. It is an extraordinary day to be sure. Um, did I miss and, anybody? Uh, uh, no, no. Um, I I can't think of anyone. Uh, but then so, again, you're at the age where that's quite common, not being able to remember. Well, now this this show's not starting off well. I mean, you usually <laughs> wait until we're halfway through before you start making those singers. <laughs> You've got to overcome this sense of inferiority you have when you're talking to me, which leads you to this hostility, which is so <laughs> evident to our uh, to our vast listening audience. Uh, well, uh, it's folks, it's Gary's it's Gary's that, birthday. Happy yeah, birthday, Gary! Birthday. I I uh, we yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. I I'm getting uh, birthday greetings this morning from my uh, far flung. Of family, and uh, of course, this morning from my wife, and I'll respond to all of those uh, after the show because I am way beyond the point where I'm able to multitask. Uh, usually, right now at this point in life, if I try to task, it ends up a half task. <laughs> so multitask is not even in play. I got so much on the board today. I don't know where to begin. I don't know whether we immediately dive into the Tucker Carlson story, but I can't help it just because, I, I mean, I thought it was April Fool's, uh, but it isn't. And in today's world, it shouldn't surprise New York Post and Daily Mail stories. Uh, a woman, a transgender, <laughs> um, a transgender woman was left in tears at JFK uh, International Airport on Sunday after she said that a TSA agent hit her in the testicles while she was <laughs> going through security. I <laughs> well, he certainly should be fired from his job immediately. The unidentified now flyer. That woman, now that woman knows what you and I feel like when we go through the TSA. <laughs> the unidentified, this from the Daily Mail, the unidentified flyer took to social media to vent about the incident in which she said the agent humiliated her in front of everyone in a series of posts 
that have since been deleted, according to our sources in New York. I don't know whether she, uh, uh, again, this is a family radio show. I mean, there are, uh, there are palliative treatments she might not be aware of, uh, ice packs, uh, jockstrap, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yes, this transgender woman was uh, hit in the testicles at Kennedy Airport. Well, I, Tom, you're leaving out part of the story. It's very important to read these to the end. What, what you're leaving out is that when he hit that particular body part, they were in her purse. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, look, I, I, uh, I thought when you, when you started the, the story, I, I actually missed this. I was getting ready to correct you because I thought you were going to refer to the new recruiter for the United States Navy, who is a uh, uh, a drag queen. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out, Tom, who is the drag queen supposed to recruit? I mean, is the drag queen trying to recruit women or is the drag queen trying to create uh, recruit men that that like to dress up as women? Or is the drag queen trying to, you know, recruit drag queens? I, I mean, I, I, I just want Tom on, on the behalf of the whole country to apologize to the brave men and women that wear the uniform of the United States of America. Because when we allowed Joe Biden to be elected, however that happened, and I have my doubts that it was legal. We have subjected to the brave men and women of our military. We have subjected them to a living hell. We, they have a commander in chief whose weakness is putting them all in jeopardy. 13 of them died because of his incompetence in Afghanistan. Dozens more were grievously injured. Putin looked at that and was made his decision. I can, I can play this guy. I'm going into Ukraine. God knows what's going to happen in Ukraine before it's over and the possibility that a lot more people will die, not just Ukrainians, but American civilians, depending on what miscalculations are made. Um, this guy, this president, uh, is demoralizing these troops. He and his woke officers that they have promoted through the ranks are subjecting troops to this stuff all the time. There's a handbook that's being distributed on military bases to officers telling them what to do, Tom, uh, when a man in their unit comes to them and informs them he's pregnant. And the, the, the handbook tells them you are to treat that pregnant man just the way you treat any pregnant person that you are in command of. This is, this is in, as we've said multiple times, insanity and now you've got this thing i i saw uh a video of this guy performing in drag on some military base and in the background you can see a bunch of other military people and i'm telling you tom they do not look happy that they're nobody's laughing nobody is like uh, oh yeah this is what i joined the military for I, I mean, Tom, if, if the Chinese communists wanted to infiltrate our military and lay it low by destroying its morale, what would they do differently than Joe Biden's doing right now? And, I, and one final thing, the Pentagon schools 
you know, a lot of people don't realize this. The Pentagon has schools on our military bases where career officers and members of the military have their children educated. And everything that parents all over America are trying to get out of their schools, the anti-American history, the sexually explicit material, the grooming of children, uh, the transitioning without parents knowing, that stuff has all been put into the schools educating the children of our brave men and women wearing the uniform of the United States military. You know, there was a there was a study that just came out sponsored in part by the CDC, the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System administered by the CDC that came out. I, I, I don't know. It wasn't yesterday, but it was I don't know, several weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was. Um, only 73 percent of American high school students now identify as heterosexual. Seventy three percent. Twenty six percent identify themselves as LGBTQ or whatever the number is. Now, the percentage of baby boomers who are so self-described in the same survey, 2.7%. Now, the main um, change in the stock of the U.S. since the 1960s and 70s has been this massive influx of uh, immigrants from uh, Spanish-speaking countries, Latin American countries, Catholic countries. Now, these are... uh, uh, some of the most conservative Catholic societies on earth. So there can't be uh, any genetic or biological or scientific explanation for an explosion like this. If this could be explained like they tried to do in the study, you know, greater social acceptance and uh, tolerance, why are these suddenly explosive uh, rates of, of LGBT identification limited almost entirely to kids or young people, if it was greater social tolerance, then don't you think that this explosion would have affected other people, too? There was a great column by um, Andrew Sullivan, a well-known and proudly gay a columnist, who said that the most probable and possible explanation for this is that everybody wants to be LGBTQ now because it's cool. So why not lie and be cool? Now, if we set all the politics aside and simply look at the data it would seem obvious that the best explanation for today's pattern is what the fancy people call social contagion. My friend is gay. This guy's gay. This girl's gay. Why don't I be gay? And when these major, you know, woke infested institutions are schools, I'm not talking about colleges. I'm talking about kindergartens and grade schools are infected by this. And we live in a culture that ranks, uh, creates the social hierarchy of victimization. So the more victimized you are, the higher up on the pyramid you are. And now LGBT sits atop the pyramid. Um, That's why we're all forced to fly the LGBT flag and celebrate Pride Day, even if we're not uh, anti-gay. I'm not compelled or forced to celebrate and congratulate uh, Columbus Day um, I acknowledge it. I mean, I have nothing. I like Columbus Day. That's a, that was a bad analogy. But um, that's that's the whole point. So in our perverse, deeply, deeply sick and troubled society, um, I don't think it's hard to see why kids would jump at the chance to be, quote unquote, cool, to be hip rather than just some boring, you know, middle or upper middle class uh, white kid. 
Well, I, I think it's a good analysis, Tom. I mean, it's a little bit like why why there was an explosion of witches in Salem. I mean, the, the, the culture in Salem began to see a witch behind every tree. And so when something happened that was strange, you said to the woman involved, you know what? I can't believe you did that. You might be a witch. And suddenly there was an explosion of people that were witches because, you know, that's what the culture there was looking for. They were looking for more witches. Um, the, the research shows our kids are in horrible shape. They were made in worse shape by COVID. They were isolated. They spent a lot of time, even more than usual, online. They were subjected online while their parents weren't paying attention uh, to all kinds of suggestive things. Uh, our children are experiencing unprecedented levels of depression. They've been told in many cases there is no God. Uh, so they're just a cosmic accident. Um, they they go online and the girls, the little girls, see beautiful girls who they think they will never look like. And so they, they think there's something wrong with them. Boys see muscular men that do, you know, heroic things. And they look in the mirror and they see a skinny little kid. What's wrong with me? You know, and then whenever they're depressed or they're they're rest, wrestling with other mental issues or they, they've been uh, traumatized by what's going on in the country. And they say, what well, you know, what, what's going on with me? Some stupid adult uh, or the culture itself will say, well, you know, the, the problem may be that you might actually be trapped in the wrong body. And, and I'd be happy as your teacher or your counselor uh, to help you because um, your parents probably aren't going to understand. Or, Tom, it's even worse. If they've got left-wing woke parents and they say this to the parents, the parents are going to go, oh, my goodness, Johnny, we finally figured out what's wrong. Oh, we're so proud of you that you came out and told us. I, I don't know, Tom. It's uh, Meanwhile, in communist China, who we never want to become like, although there's a lot of trends going on in America where it looks like communist China in the United States the way we treat dissent, et cetera, are, are morphing into each other. But uh, Communist China is not going crazy over this stuff. And they ordered all the government-run TV networks recently, which is all the TV networks, right? Um, she and the Communist Party said to the networks, uh, you've got two weeks to get girly men off of TV. We don't want our sons seeing girly men on TV. Now, not homosexuals. They didn't say that. They said girly men, effeminate men. Now, we, you know, we all agree that uh, it, the, among men, there, there's a spectrum of he men to, you know, men that are built differently. The same with women. There are women, women, there are girls who are tomboys, there are very feminine <laughs> girls. There's nothing. That's just the range of the human experience. So what the communist Chinese don't want their boys seeing is feminine acting men or men with feminine characters. Now, why? Why don't they want? Because they're preparing their men to go to war. That's why. Meanwhile, we're picking men that like dressing as women to put them out there as the face of the United States Navy. 
gee, what could go wrong <laughs> when these two nations finally meet in what I think is almost becoming an inevitable uh, war, unlike anything we have seen since World War II? You know, shifting gears slightly, I, I don't know whether you saw this. Please, there, please do. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, um, a terrific piece <clears throat> In what used to be a great magazine, commentary magazine in recent years, whatever. But anyway, this might have been the clock that that is broken that's right twice a day um, by uh, uh, Leal Leibovitz. And it's called The Return of Paganism in Commentary Magazine. It was great. Um, In uh, 1990, uh, Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, commissioned a national study there were 8,000 self-described pagans in 1990. In 2008, there were 250,000 self-described pagans. In 2018, there were 1.7 million pagans self-identified. Today, it's well over 2 million. Um, and his point is that paganism, sadly, is now America's fastest-growing religion. And he says the numbers could be much higher than that because there are, and I'm quoting him almost verbatim here, uncounted millions uh, who wouldn't want to be called pagan because of the pejorative nature of the term, but who are no doubt working to realize what he calls a pagan future. And uh, he defines paganism. Paganism, as he says, is living in a world where nothing is true and everything is permitted uh, Dostoevsky famously wrote in the Brothers Karamazov, where there is no God, all is permitted. Um, what do pagans believe? Well, he says they believe in anything, everything, and nothing at the same time. But when it's reduced to its fixed core element, it is that nothing is true, and thus all is permitted, that there's no fixed system of belief um, or any set of solid convictions that should constrain the pagan, and since the gods of pagans change, you know, every day, um, and are thus in their, you know, they want to follow in the footsteps of their self-proclaimed gods. Um, their ever-changing beliefs that change on a daily basis, depending on what the god of, you know, the god of uh, the sunrise says, or the god of of a sequoia tree, means that their beliefs and their behaviors can change. So they sanctify every single dramatic change in their belief and their behavior, not as being fickle or unmoored, but um, uh, uh, holy. And the implication is that extends its way to talk, it extends its way to, to, to politics and to culture, where we now have a party that resemble a political party that resembles paganism in many respects because it is so fickle. It changes. It always only changes in one direction, but it changes so quickly that the rest of us are whipsawed by it. Um, we talk all the time about history and civilizations on the show and a near universal feature of ancient civilizations and cultures from South America to to Europe, to the Middle East, was child sacrifice. And these are civilizations that had absolutely no contact one to the other. The Aztecs in uh, what is present-day Mexico had no idea about the Sumerians or the Hittites and vice versa. Um, that, and today, we may not, you know, expose children to die that are born ugly or with, you know, Down syndrome, God forbid, or whatever it is, 
uh, but we, you know, abort them on demand. Um, we certainly have uh, what is today child sacrifice in its own guise in modern terms. From COVID, right, when we knew in the spring of 2020 that this disease was thankfully largely spared kids and we canceled school for a year and a half in blue states. Um, and now we've got this massive epidemic of, of mental health problems, suicide, depression, drug addiction. Uh, we all uh, visited almost entirely upon our kids. But, um, you know, no sooner had COVID passed, that COVID went away, that we started on this new way to to sacrifice our kids for our own self-approval when um, in 2017 Reuters reports there were uh, 15,000 Americans diagnosed with gender dysphoria. In 2021 uh, it was 60,000 and last year it was 145,000. So we're seeing a tenfold increase in seven years. Now, have doctors gotten better at diagnosing gender dysphoria? I don't know. Has the science improved? I don't know. I think it's all part of this. When you have a collapse at the top, Gary, uh, there's no telling what's going to happen below the edifice. If everything is built on sand, um, you know, the first rainstorm, it all washes away. Yeah, you know, Tom, uh, Tucker Carlson said the other day uh, before uh, he was silenced that um, that one of the great uh, truths and also frustrating things that's happening is that in our political debates, 95% of what we're debating uh, within a year or so will be totally beside the point. I mean, it's just we're not debating really serious things and that a whole bunch of very serious things you're not allowed to debate at all. So, you know, Nobody is seriously debating how we are going to stop this merger of almost unimaginable technology with ever powerful government uh, to suck human rights right out of the world system in, in every way, you know. Um, and and I, I think that's right. I mean, who, you know, there's some side debates going on about whether men should be able to. Uh, compete in women's sports if they say they're a man. Uh, and, and it's good. At least we're having that debate. But but we're not debating the big picture of, you know, what happened to America in the last 30 years and where will we be if we stay on the road we're on right now? Could it have anything to do with the collapse of the Judeo-Christian worldview that was sort of the default position at every table in every house in America, whether you were a Christian or Jew or not. In other words, the air you breathe was sort of the air of that civilization, what it believed about human beings and our place in the world and how we got here and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, there you probably have heard of this uh, uh, rabbi, Jonathan Kahn, who wrote The Harbinger. Uh, he's got a uh, another book out, which which I believe is called "The Return of the Pagan Gods," and he argues that literally, and he names them three or four pagan gods, and that they, you know had 
lots of followers in biblical times that gods that that demanded child sacrifice gods that demanded all sorts of things and he said you know when western civilization was formed judeo-christian civilization those gods those demons whatever you want to call them they were pushed away out they were on the outside but as the civilization's collapsing they're coming back in and they've got followers and uh, a lot of the stuff we're seeing tom it's not only the the reaction to um the supreme court saying that no there actually is nowhere in the constitution a right to abortion i mean the reaction to that if you see some of the videos of women reacting to that i mean it's almost you know what happened to him Jonathan Carr, you know what happened to him? What? He was he was expelled from the CCR, the Central Conference of American Rabbis. He was a former rabbi, wrote this book. That's the CCAR is, how do I put this? Like the trade union, the union of uh, reform rabbis. They kicked his ass out. They expelled really? him. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's... Uh that's that's amazing. Yeah. Now, I, there are so many things to talk about, Tom. I mean, we probably should get to really important stuff uh, like the, the appropriate level of marginal tax rates. But we do uh, need to take a break because Dory yeah. is driving me nuts. We got to take a break. And when we come back, I'm th- I'm calling an audible. I want to get into the Tucker Carlson story. Any obje- any objections? No, that sounds fantastic. We will be right back. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose show on Sirius XM, the radio well, Sirius XM, Channel 125, The Patriot, and the Bauer and Rose podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, hosted by our good friend John Solomon and his terrific site, JustTheNews.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Bauer and Rose with you on uh, an otherwise uh, birthday-filled day here. I don't want to spill the date because then everyone's going to be deluging Bauer with books that he's not going to (laughs) read. Fox News, and this is a pet peeve, and maybe some listeners aren't going to be interested, and that's fine. Um, But I, I don't know. I'm following this story very aggressively because uh, it wounded me. The whole thing has wounded me deeply. Fox News hits, are we allowed to say this? Fox News hits a new and unimagined low. They're now cooperating actively with their mortal enemy, Media Matters for America, a left-wing front group that poses as a 501c3, a tax-exempt organization funded by Soros and the whole crowd. Their purpose, the reason they exist, is to destroy conservative media in general and Fox News in particular. So here we have Fox partnering with a group that 
you know, organizes uh, boycotts against Fox. Fox is now leaking things that they think hurt Tucker Carlson to Media Matters. They're now leaking things to the New York Times, uh, clips that they think hurt Tucker Carlson. There is no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because you're this is breaking news to me. I saw all this stuff coming out. Are you're surmising that 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 it must where else could it possibly have come from? Right. Good point. Where else could it? Now, this Irina Briganti, who's the who hates being called out by name, by the way, she's the PR director at Fox, the communication director for Fox News. She hated Tucker Carlson. Everybody knows that everybody at Fox apparently hates her. She seems now to be making it her mission to destroy Tucker, and everybody's, you know, jumping on her, rightly so, but if the folks upstairs didn't want this to happen, they would have picked up the phone and said, uh, Arena, you know, stop the jihad against Tucker. But the videos that she's leaking, and I'm, I'll just come out and say it, it has to be, I mean, who else has all these outtakes? It has yep. to be, right? Yep. Um, Good, great point. Great look, point. So, so she thinks these videos make Tucker look bad. I think they make him sound terrific. I think they make him sound human and relatable and authentic and genuine and, you know, a deep person. They they get ready. You know, do you notice how CNN, by the way, isn't leaking trash about Don Lemon? They're not out to destroy. Don. Why are they doing this at Fox? If you're Lee, if you leave or you're fired it, and this isn't just Tucker, this stretches back. It seems to be a company policy to ruin you on your way out the door. But it just can't be her. Her betters have to be do it. They, I mean, they've got to be doing this. They're trying to make it look like, through these leaks, that Tucker somehow hates his audience. Now, think about this. These are Fox executives rummaging through, what, Gary, thousands of hours of commercial breaks or, you know, dumped outtakes or wind-ups, which is what they call, you know, the pre-recorded stuff that we do. Anything they think might make their number one star look bad. And who are they leaking it to? They're leaking it to Media Matters? And to the New York Times, uh, what is going on at Fox News? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I mean, you're describing something that, that, that may be even more depressed uh, than I was when I got up this morning. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's, and that's saying too. something, right? Yeah, that is saying something. Uh, look, Tom, I mean, so you got Paul Ryan, who did such a bang up job as Speaker of the House on the board uh, of uh, Fox News. Uh, you, you know, a lot of things have been going on. And, uh, you, you know, Tom, it's just like, you know, in the in the Republican Party, uh, if you're more conservative than Mitch McConnell, man, they're going to get you. you you're, you're not allowed to be more conservative than the leadership of the party. They've always looked down and and felt and felt. You know, look at what they tried to do. The party establishment tried to do to Ronald Reagan. I, I mean, people forget people. I, I, I want to laugh out loud, Tom, but I keep hearing people going, Gary, we just need to get back to a guy like Ronald Reagan. I mean, everybody loved Ronald Reagan. The whole party could unite around him and going, oh, my God. What, were you not alive during that time? They hated Ronald Reagan when he announced he was going to run a group of former RNC chairmen. 
banded together and went around the country holding press conferences saying if Ronald Reagan's elected president, he will get us in a nuclear war. These were former RNC chairmen. When he looked like when it was obvious that he was going to get the nomination, they tried to force Gerald Ford on him as vice president. And they were going to give they were going to make Reagan agree to give Gerald Ford all the foreign policy stuff. And Reagan would just spend his it would be a co-presidency. And then when that didn't work, you know, the moderates ran a third party candidate against him. This guy in Illinois to hope that he would take enough of the vote away. Orville, so, uh, Orville Redenbacher, the popcorn guy, right? Oh, no, was I, that, was that? no, no, no. His name was John Anderson, but I remember he oh, looked. Oh, he remember, you don't like remember that. Orville Redenbacher, the popcorn I, I guy? Do. Yes, I remember him. Yeah, and I thought, oh, that. But <laughs> at my age, you can say anything, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I forgot that. <laughs> um, yeah, so at Fox News, I, I'm telling you, Tom, I, I, I also have to believe. Tucker Carlson was was bigger than Fox News. And every day he grew bigger than Fox News. And there was speculation beginning to bubble around. Wow, what if Tucker Carlson threw his hat in the ring for uh, president? What what could happen? Because his appeal went by, went beyond just the normal conservative base. It was a more of this populist sort of thing. Um, and we're, we're living right now at a time, Tom, where powerful forces on some elements of the right, certainly all over the left and all over our government, want to smash anybody that brings up serious things that don't fit the template of what they want America to hear. And that template, my goodness, we could spend hours and hours and hours on. But a big part of that template is that they've got to keep the American people constantly in the throes of an emergency, of a crisis that justifies surrendering more of your liberty and giving more power to the government, to tech, et cetera, so that they can govern us and tell us what to do. And guy like Tucker threw right in the face of that. This is, I mean, when O'Reilly went, I mean, he just had to pay some massive uh, sex harassment judgment claim or whatever. And then Megyn Kelly was offered some astronomical number to to go to NBC and she wanted to spend more time with her family. And she did that. Um, So these weren't people that were basically fired. But as they went out the door, Fox trashes them. And I, I, I don't understand Everyone at Fox who will speak off the record says there's no way this was done without the old man's blessing. But I wonder whether Rupert um, really was all that involved or cared that much. Uh, he's got two sons, Lachlan and James. I know Lachlan. I, I, I have not met James. Um, uh, Lachlan's a liberal. There's no crime against that. That's fine. Uh at least not until we get in power. There's no law against being a liberal. But uh, if we ever did get in power, I wouldn't promise. I I wonder where, I mean, this was such a catastrophic destruction of a brand that is it possible? Do you think it's conceivable at all that they say, you know what, uh, Tucker, we want you back. This was a big mistake. We're really sorry. We're going to give you X, Y, and Z. Uh, We want you back. Is, is that at all conceivable wow. in this? 
scenario? Uh, as a Jew, you do believe in miracles. Uh, that <laughs> would almost be a miracle. But you, 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 you hit on the on the word there, Tom. It it was self destructive because you know we all know this phenomena that if 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 you have a TV show or a radio show or anything like that, and you end up following a very popular show, you will benefit from that because people turn on the very popular show and then out of inertia, they end up listening or watching your show too, right? So he was the anchor of of their prime time and Hannity and a whole lot of other shows benefited by Tucker Carlson. And, And Tom, I can't help but also note that this happens just as we're getting ready to go. In fact, we are in the 2024 election campaign right now, which is going to be the most consequential election in our history, because if if Biden wins re-election or for, you know, in some way they get him off the stage and and one of the other lefties wins, uh, uh, you know, another four years after Biden's final two years or whatever, we're done. They're going to they're going to retake the Supreme Court. They'll have all the lower courts. It's over. And so in the middle of that, Fox News takes out of the game for now one of the most effective advocates for our side going into this election. I mean, that can't be a coincidence. Providing no. By the way, and people don't understand this. Tucker is not fired. It's worse than that. Tucker has been sidelined. He obviously has a contract with with the non-compete provisions. Fox obviously has the right to terminate or fire or basically take him off the air. I guess he's got two years left on his contract. They take him off the air. They pay him his salary. Uh, So the non-compete is in effect. Uh, He obviously is going to have to sue to get out of it, I presume. And that could take... That Long, could take years. Yeah, yeah. So, so you effectively now. Now, what if he just, you know, he doesn't go on TV, but he, he, you know, he put up this video the other day, uh, which got millions of, of views. Over one hundred wow. million views as of uh, wow. as of Gary wow. Bauer's birthday. Um. So I was at a a big. Well, I was at a meeting in Dallas a couple of days ago, of a bunch of Christian leaders uh, trying to figure out how uh what we can do uh over these neck this next year and a half and a a number of the people there thought that tucker will build his own platform but they will just use twitter and related things and he will have an even bigger following than he had on fox um so I, I don't know. I mean, is it, can he get away with that? I don't. Obviously, I don't have a copy of his contract, and I don't know how uh, courts would uh, interpret non-compete provisions. I wonder. I mean, I hear that a lot, and I'm an old timer. Uh, of course, not as old as you, but an old timer. And I wonder, Gary, if that's actually true. You know what I mean? Eight o'clock on Fox is pretty much a national town hall for conservatives. It's the number one time slot. Everybody go, everybody has Fox, everybody goes there. Uh, Joe Rogan makes a heck of a lot more money than Tucker does, but is Joe Rogan more influential than Tucker? I, I mean, I don't, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. My kids would probably tell me they would don't even know who Tucker is. But Joe Rogan, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it is a generational thing. Uh, <sighs> yeah, no, it's it's you're, that that is a great point, Tom. Uh, Tucker was the closest thing to uh, Rush Limbaugh since Rush Limbaugh, right? Bigger, Rush, bigger. Yeah, Rush Limbaugh was a tremendous blow. Because Rush Limbaugh was in your house every day and could give you context when unpredictable and confusing things were happening. He could say, "Okay, folks, let me explain this to you. Don't fall for this trap. Here's what's going on. Right. I'm not taking anything away from Rush, but Rush was in the middle of the afternoon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he had a lot of influence with with. uh, with women and, and retired people and so forth. But Tucker's reach was anybody that was home at night, you know, and, uh, and he, you know, he was, he was touching on the subjects they desperately want us to stay away from. They've got to keep us in a, in the ghetto that they define in the issue ghetto. You, you know, yes, you can argue about reforming social security and how do you do that? But how dare you suggest that big pharma is determining what medicines you end up taking. You know, uh, I mean, Tucker was he there was nothing he would not deal with. And uh, but his they, influence was systemic. His influence, every Republican, every particularly office holders, you know, they all had to know what Tucker was. Tucker had a profound, dramatic influence on the movement. And he gave, you know, politicians with far less intellectual capacity than Tucker has. Very few people have the intellectual capacity Tucker has. Gave them the legitimacy, the cover to change positions to more accurately reflect uh, what uh, Joe Biden would call the MAGA extremists. What you and I would call mainstream Americans. I, I just, it's devast- it's devastating. I don't think there's any way you can get around it. And even if Tucker makes a hundred million a year, I, I just don't see. And again, I'm obviously older. I don't see how that. Uh, I think he's. I mean, he'll make ten times as much money, but will he have the influence? Well, it, it's uh, it's a key question, Tom, because we're, we're rapidly. I mean, every place that we go to to find solace, to to find strength in numbers, to be reminded that there are more of us than we think, because the left keeps us isolated. Right? They they make us think we are dying away. Um, they're 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 smashing, um, and this is the latest very big example and by the way tom you have, uh, to bring uh, to, to bring christian conservatism into this a big phenomena from the reagan years on has been the awakening of the church in america that finally realized they could not take for granted anymore that america was going to be a judeo-christian country they had to get involved and so ronald reagan particularly helped churches realize you couldn't just park your butt in a pew every Sunday. You had to get out in the public square. And Trump and Pence reinforced that during their years. You know, Trump famously told a group of Christian leaders, 
You know, there are blank millions of you. I've never seen a less influential influential group in America in my life. You punch way below your weight. And I think it might be at least in part because you've been convinced if you say anything in your church about some of these issues, you're going to lose your tax exempt status. So I'm going to change that when I'm elected president, you know. So so right now there is an unbelievable attack by the progressives on the Christian church. And there are pastors and whole churches that are going woke. I mean, it is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, I had mentioned earlier, I love to name drop, but I, I was in Israel last week for the 75th anniversary of Israeli independence. And on uh, their Independence Day, it makes, I mean, it's like the 4th of July on steroids um, in terms of meat eating. Um, went to a, a very dear friend of mine and very dear friend of yours for a big barbecue. And it was great. And we were talking and... This is, they're all Israelis. I, maybe there might have been one or two Americans, um, including myself. And the top, these were Israelis talking about Israel. Their topics were Iran, obviously, the, all their judicial reform stuff, and Tucker Carlson. And then they were asking the question that you just asked. And they're looking at me for an answer, like, like I know. In Israel, the ultra-Orthodox Jews... Uh, which are about 10% of the population, 11% of the population, punch way above their weight, way above their weight. And everybody hates them for doing that. And the question is, the, America is 40% evangelical and probably 70% believing Christians. Why don't they punch above their weight? And they're looking at me for an answer. Like, what are you asking me for? Ask Bauer. I, you know, I don't know, but... I just thought this was, and it's funny that you mentioned that because you and I have not discussed this, um, but that was the, you know, they are mystified as to why, well, I'll be honest, why American Christians are allowing this to happen. Well, um, yeah, so you're asking the Christian of the Bauer and Rose show, and I should just be able to pop off those reasons to you right off the top of my head. You know, for one thing, Tom, a a significant chunk of of the most frequent churchgoers in America and evangelicals are are, our fellow black Americans. And they have, uh, many of them uh, sadly have bought into a narrative that the Democrat Party represents biblical principles when it comes to helping the poor, etc. And so instead of embracing the idea that the gospel message on that is about us helping the poor, that is Christians helping the poor in our community, not faceless, mindless bureaucracies uh, taking money from one group of people and giving it to another group of people. Christ never said, you know, when he said, you know, you know, visit the prisoner, feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty. He didn't say, go down there. You see that rich guy? Take his water and his food and go down there and give it to these people over there. He never said that. That's not a Christian. But uh, a lot of the black church has bought into that. Among white evangelicals, we we have just, uh, the the divisions are unbelievable. And much to my shock, progressives 
in the evangelical world appear to be gaining strength. And I, and I don't know whether this is another manifestation that a lot of young Christians got educated not in Christian schools and weren't homeschooled. They got educated in the same public schools uh, that we now realize had been little indoctrination centers for the left, not beginning in the universities, but going all the way down and now into the elementary school level. But it's been at the high school level for a long time. And as those young Christians, you know, came up through the ranks, um, they're they're falling for a lot of this stuff. And, and this is really bad news, Tom, for those Israelis you were meeting with, along with uh, abandonment on the life issue and other things, the, these new woke evangelicals are no longer pro-Israel that because they're woke evangelicals, you know, and they're more likely to see the Palestinians as, um, as the, you know, the victim and the weak force and, and the Jews as occupiers, the Israelis as occupiers. So it, it's a mess. And Tom, if, if the left can just take, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent of the evangelical world and and uh, carve it out. We in a narrowly divided America. That's it. We you know, the conservatives are going to lose on Election Day. And that happened. I mean, if yeah, if we and we're out of time, but if we have one like credo, um, if we issued challenge coins and had one credo, it would be. Some, you know, Republicans win elections and Republicans lose elections, but the Democrats always rule, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was, I was yes. having this conversation the other night. I think it was about HIPAA or something. Um, and my friend said, well, I, HIPAA, I mean, a Republican was president. That was George W. George H.W. Bush. I'm like, so what? The bureaucracy is left wing. It was left wing then. It's left wing now. It'll stay left wing. We are the Christmas help. I'm actually, I yeah. spent four years in the White House. You spent eight years in the White House. That was the joke during the Trump administration among a lot of the White House, you know, permanent staff people who are terrific. They're fantastic people. That's their career. They work there. We were the Christmas help. You know, we'll hang out here for a couple of months to help you with inventory and uh, uh, restocking well, Tom, shelves. Of, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, Republican appointees, uh, sadly, end up being people that. Wanted to be appointed, but they didn't want to come. They didn't want to be appointed because they were going to go over to HUD or education or, uh, you know, health and human services and, you know, fight that bureaucracy, which trust me is, well, you probably know, is very unpleasant to do. They just wanted to get credentialed so that when the administration was over, they could parlay that to an entire lifetime career. So uh, how come I I wasn't able to do that? Yeah, well, me either. Uh, quick, quickly, Tom. I, Carol, you know, was shopping one day when I was in uh, when I was under Secretary of Education, and Bill Bennett and I were both in some major controversy where we were getting, uh, you know, what kicked out of us in the media, and she ran into a couple of wives of other uh, uh, appointees in the Reagan administration that were in government, and when they when their you know grocery carts. Uh, cross, uh, hi, Carol, hi, so-and-so, hi, so-and-so. And and the two women said to her, how are you holding up, Carol? And Carol said, I'm, I'm fine. Really? Oh, well, that's, so how do you, how do you keep your spirits up? 
And Carol says, well, well, wait a minute, has something happened? And they go, well, Bill, we were just talking about the things that are being said about Gary and, and the, the controversy, and it must be pretty difficult around your house. And Carol said, I've never seen Gary more happy. He comes home at night like, did you see what I just said about Kennedy? Oh, my gosh, honey, this is fantastic. And I go, oh, really? Oh, well, okay, good to see you. Because their husbands went into work every day and hid under the desk and hoped that nobody noticed them until it was five o'clock and then they went home. So, you know, whenever we get back in, if we get back in, one of the things we got to do is not only check to see if someone's conservative, not only check to see if they've got the right credentials and they've got the right education and hopefully they've got some speaking skills and, and writing skills. But are they a fighter? If they're not a fighter, they will not do anything that matters. Right. They won't succeed. Every day is a battle in the bureaucracy. If you're a, a serious conservative and populist nominee and, and appointee. Here at the Bauer and Rose show, the Bauer and Rose podcast, it's an everyday battle to keep Gary Bauer under our prescribed time limit. It just, it is. It happens every time, and we are over, but this was a great show. And again, the happiest of birthday greetings to Bill Bennett, to Audrey Hepburn. Who's going over time now? (laughs) (laughs) Have a producer, take all that happy birthday stuff out. (laughs) Have a terrific weekend. God bless you again. Many, many years of good health prosperity, the love of your family and pride from family accomplishments. Uh, you're a great man and, and, and many, many happy returns. Thank you, Tom. You, you just wait till August 4th comes. Oh, back. my God. How did you know that? Oh, come on. Tom. Oh, I know why. Because it's Barack Obama's birthday and you know the birthdays of everybody in my life that are important in my life. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to ruin this show or ruin your day by having to say that I actually had to remind a member of the Bauer family this morning what day it was, and I got pushback. I got pushback. No, it isn't. Uh, yeah, it is. No, it's tomorrow. Um, no, uh, I think it's today. Oh, you're right. It is today. I'll send him a text. Were, were you talking to little uh, one plus one year plus two month Charlie? Everybody <laughs> in my family knows my birthday. Okay, well, you are free to believe that, and I don't want to do anything to detract from that belief. Anyway, many, many happy returns. You're a great man. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week. This is the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, The Patriot, Channel 125. See you next week.